You're listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast, your new home for inspiration, family, sports conversations, and a lot of other stuff. We're your all-purpose pod for an all-purpose life and your weekly mirror check before you go change the world, baby. Enjoy the show. I'm your host, Mr. You. Welcome back to the All-Purpose Pod for an All-Purpose Life, wherever you are today. However you listen to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Thank you again for making us a small part of your morning, your day, and your week. We're your weekly mirror check before you go change the world. Your voices are being heard. Thank you for following us on social media platforms, on Facebook at TCM Mr. You, on Twitter at Call Me Mr. You, and on our new platform, Good Pods, you can rate and review every episode, every season, anytime, anywhere, as much as you like. And everywhere you listen to our podcast, thank you again for joining us. Your support is greatly, greatly appreciated. Hope you guys are all doing well and enjoying the ride so far this season. We definitely appreciate all the support that we're getting from you guys. So let's jump into our episode for today if we can. Now, this is perhaps the start of a journey down a really long rabbit hole. So I'll tread really carefully here. And here's why I'm saying that. If you've been tracking with us for any stretch of time, whether you started with us in season one or you're just joining us here in season number four, I often publish episodes about topics like this for a lot of different reasons. Well, at least a few different reasons. Uh, One is one of the two most important topics in my life. And it's one that I personally believe is a huge catalyst for much of what we see in the world around us and the struggles that we deal with, not just as men, but as a whole in general, as people. From the v- viewpoint of a man, it might be the defining moment, a crossroads, if you will, for whether a young man becomes a functioning adult that is a productive member of society or an outcast or recluse or something even more dangerous, a menace to society. So in everything that we deal with, whether provides you comfort or not, is rooted in spiritual things. We talk about that from time to time, but I wanted to reiterate that it's pretty important to what we're talking about on today's episode. So don't phase out on me, hang in there. It's going to be a quick ride, but I believe it'll be a blessing. It doesn't start through your radio or your television or your cell phone. It starts from a much deeper place than what we see on the surface. I used to be somewhat ashamed before I decided to talk about topics like this with our entire listenership. Season one was a struggle with talking about things of this nature, especially things that I was personally struggling with. But I can honestly say today that I got freer the more I put it out into the light and laid my heart out on these airways, so to speak. Every man, despite the bravado, the ego and the braggadocio, wants to be mentored. Find a young boy who's ignored by his father for years. He doesn't go and throw around the baseball with him in the front yard. He doesn't ride bikes with him on the weekends or take him for spins in the pickup truck. He doesn't take him to the movies or show him the latest wrestling hold on the living room floor. He doesn't talk to him about how to manage his money or how to treat a woman. He doesn't talk to him about what's going on in the world around us, what he's seeing on TV, what he's hearing about in school. He doesn't teach him how to handle a bully. And he absolutely never comes to his soccer games. 
He doesn't do anything with him. So the relationship that should be there is missing, obviously. There's a huge hole left behind in the little boy's heart. He's not an expert, but it's clear to him already that he's not valid, at least in the eyes of his father. He might try to fix it by following his father around the house and asking him questions or volunteering to help him in the shed while he works on his latest project. But he'll be working from a deficit. He'll always be playing from behind. I know plenty of men who played the role of father just like this example. They didn't have the tools when they were younger, so they are paralyzed in a sense when attempting to give those same tools to their own children. It is unequivocally a generational curse. A spiritual thing, like we discussed in the introduction of the show today. A breakdown, a deficiency, a hindrance, an absence of function and fruitfulness passed down from one generation to another, to another, and to another. And it impacts everyone regardless of gender. No one is truly exempt from its impact. But this situation is not deliverance proof. It can be overcome. There's a cry that comes from countless people in the body of Christ. But Malachi chapter 4 verse 6 is really important because it shows God's heart regarding this kind of cry. God says he would turn the hearts of the father to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. It's like come and strike the earth with a curse. This is far beyond the family and household dynamic. If you research this a little bit further, you'll see this is in reference to the hearts of the leaders towards God's people or God's children. God is speaking to his church when he's talking about this. The condition of fatherless men, especially in ministry, and I've seen this more times than I care to even mention. It's actually getting worse. David's cry to Saul was, my father, my father. If I was translating this when David was running for his life from someone that was supposed to take care of him, supposed to teach him, supposed to love him. My translation would sound something like, look at me. I ain't do anything wrong. I haven't betrayed you. Be my teacher. Be my leader. Be my father. Don't kill me. Help me out. Remember the story of Saul and David because it's very, very pertinent to what we're talking about and issues that happen to a lot of men specifically. But anyone, man or woman, who wants to be mentored and didn't have those kind of opportunities in their upbringing. You probably have heard this all the way back from Sunday school. I just told you about some of the worst case scenarios between a father and a son. It wasn't for dramatic effect. These are the kind of things that we've seen, heard about, witnessed, and lived through. I left out the really bad ones because, you know. But what do you do when your mentor wants to kill you? I'm just asking for a friend. What do you do when your mentor wants to kill you? It's unfathomable to even think of this. My mentor would never do such a thing, many would say. He loves me and loves my family. We're best friends. He would never do anything to hurt me, much less kill me. I've been faithful. I've been a blessing to him. Just as an aside, I talk to people every day who sing the praises of their employers in the same vein as that. I know it's a little bit different, but there's a a striking parallel there. My boss loves me. My coworkers love me. I help them with their work. We even go to lunch together sometimes. We're a team. They even bought me donuts and coffee. 
They would never let me go. Both of those examples are about ego. Your view or perspective of a situation. Whether it's reality or not. What they're talking about in that second example is essentially job security. Which is no longer a reality in our world if you've been looking around. Companies get bought out. Employers let go employees just for budget cuts. Pandemics happen. And you know what that means. I can personally attest to most of those examples in my professional life. Somewhere in our own simmering fleshliness, we think of ourselves higher than we ought to. And we assume what others think about us or what we th- or we put on them what we think they should be thinking about us. All I do for them, I know they better appreciate me. That's merely an assumption or at worst, a hope that this is the truth. But something is missing in all of this. Is it possible to do everything right and still be the hunted? Is it possible to do everything right and still be the hunted? David said in 1 Samuel 24 and 11, My father, know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt to take my life. David said this in a moment, a very poignant moment, but he said it in a moment where he had opportunities to avenge himself against the present king, Saul. But he did not take those opportunities. David did what he was supposed to do as it pertained to his service and his loyalty to the king. Even though he was to be the future king, it was already set. It was already decreed. He did all he was supposed to do. He served the current king in a way that was supposed to be done. But he was still the hunted. David was still the expendable. David's services, no matter how faithful, were no longer required. What do you do when you do everything right and you're still the hunted? The story of Saul and David is deep. I want to share a different story before we dive into this one. I want to tell you about a young man. He was a minister in a local ministry where he lived in that city for about 10 years. He served faithfully and did practically every role there was if it was asked of him. I don't care if it was cleaning windows, cleaning toilets, arranging chairs, vacuuming, helping paint, watching the toddlers in the nursery, trying to corral four to five-year-olds who were a bundle of energy to say the least. Any job, trimming hedges, any job that was represented a need, this young man was doing it. He served in the outreach ministry. He helped the praise team and led worship. He taught the adult Sunday school. And he would travel with the pastor whenever he would go to minister at different places. He likely served everywhere except in the women's ministry. And even then, he still helped them put the tables up and break the tables down for their, for their meetings. So I guess he served there as an honorary. The young man was never tired of serving in these capacities. He believed he was doing everything right, and he believed that he was pleasing God by all the things that he was doing. The more work he did, the more he pleased God. We know that today as duty-based ministry or duty-based worship. He was given to others with great generosity. He couldn't imagine being anywhere else. He felt like he was truly at home. Why? Because he was doing so many different things. He felt like he belonged because he was a part of something. 
And everybody liked him. But the young man had a secret. Deep down inside, he was broken. He didn't have a father for all of his life. So most anything, with a few exceptions, that his mentor, the pastor, asked him to do, he always responded with obedience. Quick obedience. He needed validation. He needed to be loved. He needed acceptance. Having a pastor as a mentor was exactly what the doctor ordered for what ailed this young man. His mentor, however, also had a secret. One that would take him to a really bad place. It was the kind of secret that would topple the greatest of empires. One of those secrets that can bring a kingdom down. If you know what I mean. The mentor saw this young man as his protege and a reflection of him. Doesn't sound bad on the surface, right? But the mentor was against anyone that was a part of the young man's life. That was the problem. No one measured up to his standards. This mentor would use his influence and his knowledge of the situation to undermine and bring division to the young man's life in an attempt to gain a young man's trust and respect. The mentor wanted his mentee to do as he did, even if it was against the will of the Lord. The mentor whispered, The mentor started rumors. The mentor drove a wedge into the young man's marriage and tried to discredit anyone that realized what he was doing. Many knew what was happening, but the young man, his mentee, was oblivious. The young man, in all of his service, in all of his efforts, in all of his obedience to his mentor, had no idea that he was being undermined. And a time would come Of course, it always does, doesn't it? A time would come when a young man would learn of his mentor's secret. The young man did learn, and the young man was devastated. His picture of a good father, of a good teacher, of a quality leader, was smashed into bits and pieces. His image of having a real father in his life was smashed to pieces. A time came where he would discover that not only was his mentor suddenly and inexplicably against him, but so was the majority of the organization. There was no rhyme or reason for this behavior. It just something in the air, just something that was just happening. It didn't really make sense in the moment. Everything that was said about the young man from these negative sources was instantly believed. No investigation, no evidence gathering. It was all accepted. The atmosphere was ripe for all these things to flow. It all made sense to some people. If the leader of the king gave a decree just like Saul would as king, it was final. And it was determined that there are two sides in this particular kingdom. And the young man was on one side, seemingly all by himself, and everybody else, the mentor, all of the followers were on the other side. The young man knew that he was in a bad place, in a dangerous place. People would come to him secretly, out of earshot, out of the view of others, and privately say, 
They don't believe all the things that the young man's being accused of, but publicly they cannot give him their support. That's a bad spot to be in. Saul was less than flattering as the example of a leader. He was not serving God, but he was serving his own interest. He was fearful of losing his kingdom, insecure about his position, and operating in pride, jealousy, and not functioning in obedience to what the Lord was saying. If you read the scriptures, that part is very clear. David would have possibly become the king at some point in the future, regardless of what Saul's intentions or actions were. But there was a fatherhood opportunity there that was missed. Just like with the young man and his mentor. Just like this young man, there are countless men and women out there, perhaps listening right now to this episode of the Call Me Mr. You, that are crying out to be mentored, crying out to have accountability. They want to be discipled by those who would father them and lead them or mother them. They want to be discipled. But instead, what they walk away with is a feeling of hopelessness and sometimes even isolation. The young man had plenty of opportunity to expose his mentor once he discovered his true heart towards him, especially. He could have justified himself, but he felt funny about doing that. It was almost like taking matters into your own hands. Kind of, kind of like taking vengeance yourself. But the young man did something that was totally outside of his background and totally outside of his experience. When this young man was defended in times past, he would react. He'd fight back fiercely with no regard for the consequences. He wouldn't let a slight go unanswered. But this time represented a stark departure from those old days. He responded with grace. The young man responded with silence. He didn't attack. He didn't fight back. He didn't trade evil for evil. He simply continued to work. Dodging arrows and spears thrown at him in the form of insults. This young man, in some ways, reminds me of David. I know there's many times where even in the fields, perhaps he can hear his father and his brothers sitting at the table, eating and drinking and being merry and having a good time. But he was never invited. His only friends with the sheep that he was taking care of. Even in times where he walked with Saul, serving at the king's beck and call, dodging arrows and spears, attempts at his life, he continued to work. He continued to serve. This young man paid a cost for his service. Not saying it's a bad thing, I'm just saying that that's what it is. The young man paid a cost for his service and his silence when he wanted to scream. The young man just couldn't understand why the mentor was never exposed. Why was just allowed to continue to keep going? Some of the questions that we ask God all the time out loud or in private. Why did this continue to happen? Why didn't this stop? God, why won't you stop this? He didn't understand why he was allowed to continue doing what was destructive to an entire group of people. One of the important aspects of leadership. What you do affects other people. 
what you don't do affects other people. Murmuring, divisions, backbiting, tension, they were all on the menu every time the doors to the church were opened. And the young man was under attack, fending off false accusations on a weekly basis. Sometimes even more than that. The young man, just like David, just wanted the mentor to do his job. Be who he was supposed to be. Not too big of an ass, right? There's a few things worse than a mentor in name only and not in practice. But that's the heart of the cry that I was telling you about. I've even asked a question out loud myself many times. Why can't I have a relationship that's not dysfunctional? Is it still possible to have a mentor that teaches and trains his mentee and then passes the baton like you're supposed to? Me and that young man have a lot in common. I don't want to leave you hanging. I want to tell you how the story ended with the young man who was really in an impossible situation. Where the accusations and the lies got worse. He could be out at a restaurant with his family or shopping at the supermarket and there would be more of the same word on the street that he was experiencing within the ministry. For the young man, that was unbearable. There was almost no safe place. Almost at the height of this incredibly hard situation, bad enough as it was, the young man found out on one fateful night through a phone call that one of his beloved aunts who lived out of town died suddenly. The young man was beyond devastated. It could have served as the last straw for him in a lot of ways. It was a paternal aunt. And this young man did not grow up with the fathers. So this aunt was one of the few who loved him and welcomed him as family. Losing her added to all the turmoil going on in his life already was just too much for him to bear. The day after his aunt was buried and laid to rest, the young man had a dream. A very disturbing dream. I have permission to share it today. He saw the church that he was so faithful to. And standing at the entrance of that church was a very large angel. And in his right hand was a plumb line. You can look at what a plumb line means, but short story. This was a message of judgment. The young man understood that he needed to escape the situation because he was caught before he was caught up in whatever judgment was coming that way. So by the inspiration of Holy Spirit, he resigned from all of his posts and never returned. You don't have to look far to find someone that's hurting because they were betrayed, left behind, abused, broken, compromised, and questioning their own self-worth. It's just a different level of hurt. My father, my father is the kind of cry you can't unhear once you hear it. You do hear it much out of the mouths of men, but there's no gender attached to this kind of cry. Because everybody needs a father. That's the way God intended it. If you are a mentor in any way, shape, or form, I hope you take the time to review the role you play in someone's life and revisit every step, every action, and every opportunity to walk that role out with integrity. If you are a mentee and you are in a good relationship with a mentor where you're being developed and you're seeing tangible growth in yourself in terms of discipline, habits, wisdom, 
and all that. Trust the process. For both the mentor and the mentee, you have one thing in common and one mandate. Do what David did. Trust the Lord to do the heavy lifting. You stand, you surf, you serve, excuse me. Even when they try to kill you, let the Lord handle your battles. I know you want to rise up. Let him handle it. I know you want to fight back. Let God handle it. It's what Saul didn't do and the kingdom was ripped out of his hands. It's what David did and he was given one of the greatest kingdoms the world has ever seen. Wherever you are today, however you're listening to it, they call me Mr. You, the podcast. Thank you again for making they call me Mr. You a small part of your morning, your day, and your week. With your weekly mirror check before you go change the world. Thank you for following us on all of our social media platforms. On Facebook at TCM Mr. You. On Twitter at Call Me Mr. You. And of course, anywhere you get your podcast and you enjoy your podcast, you can find us on our new platform, Good Pods. You can rate and review every episode, every season, anytime you like, any way you like, as much as you want. Thank you again for joining us. We love you guys and we appreciate your support of our show. Enjoy the music. Coach out. Thanks again for listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Please like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel for all of our full-length live episodes. And of course, if you're an audio listener, wherever you enjoy your podcast listening, you can find the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Go change the world. Coach out.